I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Six-Pack Hour, with your hosts, Joe Bond and A.J. Welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net. With me as usual, Mr. AJ Applegarth. And for the baseball shows, Dap Scout. What's up, guys? <laughs> Good on, man. <laughs> I haven't quite figured out that intro. That was super weird. Hey, it's so I will whatever. figure that one out later. But AJ, Dap, what's going on, man? AJ, you are totally muted, man. God, put a talking <laughs> to nobody. Um, <laughs> I was saying, let's not do that one the way you just did that ever again. Um, that was es horrible, terrible. Yeah, so I'm I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Uh, and uh, I'm super excited with who we have on the show because I get to just geek out for a little while, and so I'm super excited about this. And uh, he's also one of my favorite uh, follows and stalking subjects. So I'm, I'm super excited. Already admitted all of that, but you well, you. well, my lawyer said it was okay now that we uh, settled. I see. All right. Well, before we jump into that, uh, let's just want to remind everybody to hit that subscribe button, that like button, leave those five star reviews, leave those comments. We appreciate it. We love hearing from you. And of course, jump over to fantasysixpack.net and become an all access member. You're going to get access to our award winning rankings. Our Discord, where you get to add, get access directly to all of us and many, many more over there here at Fantasy Six Pack. Access to our DFS advice, our projections, and the draft cheat sheets, and, and a whole bunch more. Um, so go ahead and, and, and jump in over there, fantasysixpack.net slash plans. You can use promo code F6PMLB24 to save 15%. And um, guys, I don't know about you, but I am stoked to be starting to plan the fantasy six pack series. Uh, it's over there on our favorite site, fan tracks. Uh, I know I just love setting it up over there. It, you know, it gives me all the options I want and uh, let's, you know, lets me run this massive like hundred plus person league over there with all the different divisions. But uh, you know, I just, 
if you guys, if you have not started your leagues or you're just getting sick of where you're playing, because trust me, I've been there, done that on all the other sites, tired of it. Uh, move your leagues over to Fantrax. Trust me, you will not regret it. Uh, go over there, create a free account, fantrax.com slash fantasy six pack. And uh, yeah, just enjoy all the loveliness that is Fantrax fantasy baseball. So, and it's very lovely. I've, I've moved yes. almost all, <laughs> I, I've moved, I think, all my leagues to Fantrax in the last yeah. year, and it's just been phenomenal, especially like you said. And I think the, my favorite thing is the support. <clears throat> Uh, they're incredibly responsive, and it mm-hmm. actually seems like it's run by humans. So I, I, I like that last part. Human interaction is always a plus in the <clears throat> days of AI that we live in. Sometimes I'm wondering if you're run by AI, AJ. But... <laughs> <laughs> that makes two of us. <laughs> I don't even know. All right, we're gonna. All right, we're gonna we're gonna move on. Uh, let's bring in our guest. Excited to have him back, friend of the show, Mr. Chris Blessing. Um, he is the director of prospect analysis over at Baseball HQ, associate editor for the minor league uh, analysis over there. He's a scout, uh, man, just all around top knowledge baseball guy. I love having you on, Chris. How are you doing tonight, man? Doing great, man. Uh, I actually like the intro, though. So, uh, <laughs> the the awkwardness. There. <laughs> this is very awkward, and I like this. I mean, all right, we, we can run. With, we can run with it. You, you get the you got the blessing from Chris, man. You're you're good to go. <laughs> you got to have from Chris. Did oh, you do oh, that one on purpose? I, I, no, I actually didn't. <laughs> I was gonna say I didn't actually. I was like, and we are all fire already to start this show. Speaking of awkward, <laughs> this one. Yeah, I actually oh did. Okay, that was that was an unintentional. Okay, wow. Also a word. I was like, was I the only one who caught that? No, I caught it. Uh, I was just waiting for Dab um, to admit that he totally no. did not. Didn't do that on purpose. I wish. Um, I, I would mean, admit. If, I don't, if you I were gonna. Eat, you know, I admit if I do dad jokes, that would not be one of them. All right, <laughs> let's get into this. <laughs> oh, Jesus. If you were going to come in like hashtag blessing, then maybe maybe that would work. Hashtag. Yeah. All right. I, th- I think we're done. I don't know. Let's just. Yeah. All right. Let's talk here. prospects. Let's yeah. Talk so prospects. we're going to be talking about prospects here. Uh, Dap, we're going to let you uh, kind of leave oh. this one. Mr. All right. Uh, Dynasty Baseball yourself. And. Uh, yeah, so Chris, um, as you know, I have been, well, uh, you may know, I, I'm always pulled, the reins are always pulled on me by Joe to, to not talk too much about like dynasty uh, prospects. So I, I'm going to try to talk a little bit more about, you know, people worried about just, you know, single league this year, but I might get a little geeky on you here um, because I, I got you for a little don't bit. Don't wreck me. That's all I ask. Don't wreck me. Please. Uh, but for those people that are, you know, that don't do dynasty and they're missing out on all the fun, you know, which of the top hitting prospects that are, you feel are definitely going to be making, you know, MLB opening day? Well, um, actually, it's a pretty big list this year. Uh, and really? I think, it's, it, I think it has a lot to do with uh, the incentives. Uh, probably uh, realize this if you're tuning into this show that uh, now there's um, like. I guess there's some um, rules that allow you to get draft picks and that sort of thing. 
Uh, we've also seen a few players sign big extensions as well. Um, so exemptions. I said exemptions. I'm thinking about my other job for a second. I got like a message right before we started. So, um, so players that I think, and I, I wrote down a list of guys. Um, I think the most obvious one are the the guys that got extensions, you know, before they even debuted, like Jackson Chorio, right. Colt Keith. Um, right. Those are two very, very obvious ones. So, although we don't know really where. Cole Keith's going to play, whether he's going to be the second baseman or the third baseman uh, for the Tigers on opening day. Uh, I would I would guess they're guaranteed opening day guys. I would say that uh, I always butcher this last name. Nolan uh, Shanu, right? Is the, the the Angels' first baseman? Yeah. Uh, sadly, you're asking the wrong person. I have butchered yeah. every a name on this show. I'm but sure yes. Joe knows. Joe looks like he's a guy that knows. He's trying Absolutely to buzz in. Absolutely not. No, he is. Um, he's horrific at names. Singles hitter. I mean, uh, it's a really weird setup. I don't know if he ever really gets the power. Um, but, I mean, he made it last year after being drafted. It took him a month, maybe a month and a half to be in the big league. So, m- more power to him. Um, of course, there's Evan Carter, uh, who played outfield for the World Series champion Texas Rangers. Uh, which was a, um, I wouldn't say kind of, it was, it was a surprise that they won, but I don't think it was a surprise they beat the Diamondbacks. I mean, uh, I, I was at game five and like, it was so obvious. There was one team that was like so much better up oh, my hand, uh, so much better than the other here. We'll go like this here, but here's the Diamondbacks. Here's, here's that. Well, Oh, well, real, real, real quick, Chris. I, I can't, I can't let that comment slide for just one second, though. But I mean, was it weren't the Diamondbacks just kind of a great feel-good story, especially considering all the young talent? I mean, you know, when you see all that young talent that they got there, and, and of course, Keep Moreno's kind of ascent to, you know, really, you know, getting the the pitching working out. I mean, wasn't that? Weren't you a little? I mean, are you a Rangers fan, or are you kind of rooting for the underdog there at all, or is it just? I, I, you, are you able to go in blind and be like, hey, I just need to look at talent? I don't really root for teams anymore. I mean, it's really, really weird. I don't really have a rooting interest. Uh, I, I root for a team because of contractual obligations, but like, uh, <laughs> like Texas money Rangers, talks, baby. Like I look, I, well, it's not even money. It's, it's just the, kidding, it's respect. Um, Texas Rangers were the better team. I mean, you could on paper on the field. I was at Game Five. It was clearly. Uh, they were clearly the best team out there, even though that was a close game for most of the most of the game. Uh, and uh, power to the D-backs. I just don't see them like they could very well just fall off this year. Right. I know that they're. It. it I don't trust that pitching staff whatsoever. So, uh, I, I I think that there was a lot of. I think everything went right for them to get where they get to the playoffs. Yet, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, where, you know, gets the World Series. I mean, and really and truly, the postseason's the crapshoot anyway. Uh, but sure. I think the World Series, you, you're the, when the lights get the brightest, I think that the cream always rises to the top. So, now, um, there's, real quick, this, there's going to be another talk about Evan Carter here in a, a second on another question. But I just want to ask you, because, again, you were at the game. Uh, you know, when I when Evan Carter first was kind of mentioned as a World Series roster, it, it kind of came out like he was might play part time. He might only start with certain pitching, but he looked like 
you know, the, the Rangers figured out after like game one that this guy is somebody who needs to be in our starting lineup. Is, did you see the same thing? Or what, what What do you think about Evan Carter's kind of ascent there that happened late in the season? Well, you get your best players on the field. And I think that, uh, you know, looking at that outfield coming into the playoffs, you're not you, – there's no way that Evan Carter is not one of the best four guys in there. And if you notice, he wasn't a um, – I, I mean, we all thought he was a starting player. Right. Uh, but he was really on a platoon. It just happens that there's not many left-handed pitchers that he faced in the playoffs. Uh, but he was on a straight platoon. Uh, and oh, there's really? reasons for that. We'll discuss that when we get to Evan Carter later. Okay, no worries. Um, uh, uh, Kyle Manzard is a guy that, that could very well um, be in. If you look at the Guardians uh, lineup right now, uh, they're missing that other bopper, and he could be that other bopper. Um, uh, yeah, I guess... I mean, it's the Guardians, so who knows? But uh, there's not the man- manipulation there. There, there is some weakness to his game where he doesn't really get to high heat that well. Um, he was also a guy that uh, we, you know, we'll we'll have a question about the Arizona Fall League. I'll probably fill in more of those details then. Um, another guy that we'll eventually talk about, Joey Ortiz. I don't think that there's a uh, – just like Chorio in, in Milwaukee, I don't think there's anybody in front of him as well. I think that, okay. that that's a role there. Um, uh, I think Junior Caminero makes the opening day roster. Uh, I think it's very likely that Caminero and Curtis Mead both make the opening day roster. Because really? again, you're talking about a team that likes to move uh, pieces in and out. Oh, and yeah. again, just <laughs> – the whole Evan Carter thing, both of those guys are players that were on that postseason roster. They were considered 25 best in that roster. And then right. just round it up, easiest one, third baseman, uh, Novi uh, Marte. Like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Reds. I mean, it, it's pretty simple. Um, they don't have anybody that really can play third base. Um, and then also, I, I think his bat's ready, even though the power might not necessarily be there right now. Okay. Um, oh, God. Uh, didn't the Reds recently sign? Um, I forgot. It's not Josh Harrison, but they signed somebody else. I thought that, that was kind of a backup signing almost for just in case, you know, first and third base weren't ready. Um, that, I wouldn't say that worried me because I, I know it's just a veteran arm. But yeah, I agree with you completely on Marte. It just, it look, he looks like. Uh, you know, he looked. Re- I'm, what I loved is how much people forgot about his pedigree. I, we almost talk ourselves down, like he's slow, whatever. And he just came up and he looked ready. He was stealing. He was doing everything that you know the scouting reports kind of showed him like a year ago. And he just looked like he was almost like tired of being in the minors. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I I think the Reds also need some insurance just because uh, a lot of their guys. I think could have a slumping sophomore season. Yeah. Um, you know, with Encarnacion Strand's uh, aggressiveness. I mean, there's yeah. always. I mean, I know that it's a high average and all of that good stuff, right. but like, there's always a chance for regression there. And Steer could regress a little. Right. Um, you know, McLean's a guy that's really uh, popular in fantasy leagues right now i didn't realize how popular until i we, we had him in the league uh, brad yes. johnson from mlb trade rumors and i managed a team in, in the league and didn't realize how popular he was until we tried to trade him so um but very popular guy especially on, on base percentage uh, but like i just feel like uh, you know Marte is yeah 
best defensively of the group at third base and then knowing okay. the fact that he just scolds the ball. Um, it's just a matter of getting lift. And we're, we're talking about great American ballpark. And, like he's yes. – there's always that chance, right-handed hitters. I mean, I think I think if, like, Matt McClain gets traded, his value will, will decrease significantly because he'll move out of that stadium. All right, so just making sure we make a note of that, Joe. Chris said that um, McLean's going to get traded, so we're just going to put that as a a note in Twitter. And Depp, you were correct. It was Josh Harrison got signed uh, to a minor league contract on oh. uh, on Monday. Okay. Oh. He's so going to take it back. <laughs> totally. totally. Um, all right. So going going to the Tampa Bay thing, uh, you know, we we always joke about it here on the show, but uh, do you think Junior Caminero is called up? Uh, will he play every day or every third day of the fifth month? Because we know that Tampa Bay likes to move these guys around a lot. Man, you're asking the wrong person this question. This is a question that you try to extract from somebody who works for the Rays. I mean, um, <laughs> they're not well, going to tell us. They're not going right? to tell us anything. They're craziness. But if there was a prospect, uh, just like the uh, guy that we never mentioned again because of uh, yes. crime set he uh, yep. Uh, are accused of, but it sounds really bad. Yes. Um, other than that guy, I mean, we haven't had a dynamic prospect like this come up for them. Uh, I, do I think he's a shortstop long term? I, I don't. I think he's. I think he's a third baseman, and they have coverage at third base, but they don't really have coverage at shortstop right now. Um, uh, it, it makes sense that he could be up and be more of an everyday everyday player than like somebody like Curtis Mead, who doesn't really necessarily have a role, but has done everything that he needs to do to prove that AAA is done. Like, he's he's ready to be a major leaguer. Caminero is just so naturally gifted. I got to see him at two levels, three levels if I count the games that I watched on TV for the major leagues uh, last year. Uh, just a dynamic hitter uh, who just absolutely scolds the ball. Like, I... I, I I mean, we were talking about Marte just a minute ago, and like right. this is a like here's Marte hitting the ball, and then you got Caminero. Like, I keep doing this. I need to stop doing it. Um, it's my hands. Uh, <laughs> do, anyway. the th- do the thumbs up, Chris, like you did pre-show. Okay. Oh, look at that! There it is. There it is. <laughs> like, I like this. The Ricky this Bobby. I, I I don't know what to do with my. Hand. I don't know what to do with my hand. <laughs> You know, I, I'm also one of those people that like, uh, like when I'm on like an audio podcast, I'll start you know, even my own. I'll start like mimicking somebody's <laughs> motion or arm slot, and it'll be like nobody sees nobody this. Nobody can see it, but then like you can't see it. You can't see my arm slot here. Like you know that it might be low three quarters, but right. there's my hand, right? Right, like, right. Ridiculous. Uh, but back to Caminero. Um, uh, there, I mean, he's still an aggressive hitter, but like as you saw in the uh, playoffs, like he was one of the Braves, if not like second best hitter, third best hitter. Like he's he scares me in that lineup, like uh, Yonder Diaz. Oh, I said Yonder Diaz. What the heck? Oh my god! Yeah, I'm glad I'm on here first, and uh, you know, <laughs> wasting this podcast appearance and waiting for my good ones for my own podcast. Wow. Wow. Andy Diaz. I'm just kidding. I'm being funny. <laughs> <I love laughs> you. You know is it, 
a thumbs up for Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. Nubs to the sky, baby. Nubs to the sky. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of eyewash going on right here. I'm trying okay. to. Think that I know what I'm you know good old yandy uh instead like that's that's bad um that's that's a bad rookie mistake and i've been doing this for 12 years 13 years in the house club. um but like camonero he was he was one of the top two three hitters in that lineup uh in the postseason like i i guys are gonna i mean when the Rays are pushing guys through three levels, you know that like baseball's changed, right? Because we are always the one level at a time type team. Sure. Um, Jeter Caminero is uh, my my favorite for AL Rookie of the Year. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so, just looking at his grades here, it's pretty impressive for what he's got there. Yeah. Not not the fastest guy, but the power and hit is is definitely. Uh, nice to see especially for someone who's only 20. um he's he's oh. kind of smallish though i mean only 157 so i i think that's that's that they didn't update any of their stuff yeah um, yeah I, I was kind of wondering like with power he, he, he like that and, and that kind of a weight <laughs> it was it that's, was that's even weird. more impressive it was very weird, and I guess this is this is a plug. Actually, you know, Jeff Ponce is uh, Junior Caminero's dude. Like that—that's I, I should say. Uh, Jeff Ponce was the guy that really kind of brought um, the attention of the fantasy community and of the prospect community to Junior Caminero. Um, but this is a plug for Baseball America. Like their weights last year were accurate when it was, and it, maybe not with the Rays. Like I remember seeing like Caminero being like super light. But like a lot of teams, for whatever reason, like like baseball reference got information late. MILB, state run media, got weights and heights late. Like, you know, pipeline got them late. But somehow those, I mean, uh, the scrappy guys at Baseball America were able to get all that information. So why uh, does that come late? Do you know? I'm just curious. Their site. Chris, do you know why that that information would come late like that? Like, what what's I the reason? Know. No idea. I don't know. It, it might just be. It might be that maybe Baseball America had some monopoly on it. I don't know, but um, weird. I doubt it because state state run media didn't get it. I mean, we're still talking about 157. <laughs> But it is. It is state-run media. I love. I, I know I it is. I just. I, 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 I love. I love the reference. It's awesome. But it is. Um. Um. You know. It's just what it is. Um. I. I mean, I could be kind of state-run media in some respects, but. Um. Like yeah, the 157 still being out there is crazy. The guy's <laughs> made his major league debut, and he's obviously not 157. Like 158. I mean, come on, guys, let's get on yeah, it. I was gonna say 160, and that that would be like at least you know, 160, dripping wet. maybe 163. Come on. Well, okay, I have to ask. So preseason, right, going into 2023, where did you have Junior Caminero? Was he anywhere on your like? Was he a deep sleeper for you? Was he top 100? I, you know, I'm, I, I just, dude, I'm the old guy. I'm the guy that's the most conservative. So okay. You know, we've we've got we've got a lot of guys that are promoting dudes uh, way too fast, um, and, and I understand it. You get excited about guys in rookie ball and stuff. Right. Uh, I was maybe one of the last guys to Caminero. I believe I had him in the top fifty. I know I had him in the top fifty because I covered him for Lindy's uh, 
uh, the Lindy's thing, I do a straight prospect list for them. Uh, so he okay. was in the Phenoms list in 2023. Um, but I didn't have him in my top five or ten. Uh, and, and that was, I, I'll be honest, I'm just a little more conservative than, than some of the other guys. I, I want to see them really kind of prove it in full season ball. And not that he, you know, he, he did most of his damage last year in the complex league or in 2022 in the complex league and did, you know, show something at, uh, I think they're Charleston. I think that's where they're, um, I always get that mixed up in that. But yeah, they're Charleston Cubs or Myrtle Beach. I don't know why I always get those two confused, but uh, I mean, he, he did his work there. Um, seeing him, I, I saw him during his amazing run in high A last year. Like right. it was an easy, like this dude's a top 10 prospect, if not top five. When I really? like first swing I saw from him, it was that obvious. Wow. Uh, any, uh, any weakness that you saw that, you know, at least something we should watch out for. I mean, I think he'll, he'll definitely end up slowing down. I mean, he, he has a stockier frame, even okay. though he's 157 pounds. Um, <laughs> oh, he's up to 158 now. Uh, 158 or 160, yeah. depending on yeah. who you listen to on this uh, podcast. Right. Uh, I, I noticed Joe never said anything about uh, what he thought he weighed. I, I think Joe has the actual weight. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's cool now. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I there, there's there's some issues with aggressiveness. Uh, I think initially you're not going to see as much pull power, and we all know why that's a premium. Uh, I mean, but it's kind of amazing. He hit 30, what, 32 home runs uh, with a swing plane that was mostly built for right center field. Uh, yep. So going the other way, like this guy's like, this guy's very strong. He has a history of making contact. He has a history of being, uh, you know, a high batting average guy. I mean, he struck out 108 times between three levels last year, um, which is you know, back in the day, we'd be scared of it, but not now. I mean, uh, you know, guys strike out 150 times if we're not scared of it. So, right. um, so really, there are weaknesses, but like it's like he's not going to be a five category in a regular straight league. You know, regular format, five on five. Uh, he's not going to be a five category um, performer. He's going to be. A- I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply three or four category performer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just kind of funny. I, I just wanted to look up how heavy Jose Altuve was knowing he's like the smallest player in baseball, the shortest, probably close to it. Hundred, like 
166. So he technically, according to all the sites, weighs more than a 6'1 Junior Caminero. But anyway, uh, we do have a question before we move on to our next topic here. Uh, Uncle Ted, what's up, man? Um, who would you rather have, Junior Caminero or Kobe Mayo? And we'll Junior. love Kobe Mayo. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Junior Caminero all day long. Oh, yeah, all day. Okay. And I like Kobe Mayo. Like I like the dude, but like it's not, um, you know. There, there's a better chance at contact. I mean, uh, I, I think that you're gonna also see. Um, there's some added value with Caminero as well. Like he is gonna steal some bases occasionally, like, you know, a handful and that sort of thing. I think he maintains his high average with power, and I think that. Uh, as Mayo matures, I think we're going to see the average kind of dump, uh, drop a little and, uh, you know, him uh, sell out for power. Like, it's obviously Caminero does not have to sell out for power. Right. But, man, some of those Mayo home runs in the minors oof, were impressive. Uh, in no way are they even in the same league. Like, Caminero I, I saw him in rookie league and was like, wow, this guy's this guy strong. <laughs> yeah, he's ridiculous. Rookie League. I meant Complex League. I still call it Rookie League. Oh. Uh, all right. So we've gone over. We got over him. So I, I gotta. I gotta make. I, I gotta make a, a draw the line in the sand moment for you. Who's okay. gonna have the better rookie year in the MLB this year, Churio or Jordan Lauer? A Churio. Face off. Uh, so, so the reason for that is I. I do think I know that um, that backs are wanting Lawler to be prepared to be the starting shortstop. I just don't see him breaking through just as, just yet. Um, it, it was a fairly forgettable uh, debut, as you can see. I, I don't really put too much judgment in that. Um, no, 31 at-bats, man. It's over. That's his career. <laughs> I, I don't put too much judgment in what anybody does at AAA these days. Because um, right. the ball is juiced. And, um, you know, if you're a smart, cerebral hitter, uh, you can figure out that strike zone fairly quickly. Uh, so, it, it, you know, there's benefits to that. Uh, but uh, Churio had some difficulties last year and had some challenges early in the year. Um, I documented it on, in, in my article about him. Uh, I know that Baseball America uh, documented it as well. Uh, and a few other people. There was a uh, experiment going on in the Southern League, AA Southern League, uh, for... I guess the first half, I guess that's how long it lasts. And then I got to see Churio during the first half. They were using um, a, a tack that was uh, a pitch yeah. tack that was uh, formulated by Dow Chemical. Um, so Dow Chemical, Major League Baseball, had a partnership. And um, Churio was scared of the baseball because he didn't know where the baseball was because the baseball was doing things that um, the baseballs aren't supposed to do. Like, for instance, Andrew Abbott, who we all got to see in uh, Cincinnati Reds last year, I think his uh, induced vertical break was like five inches higher in AA than it was in AAA in the major wow. league, something like that. I mean, it's something ridiculous like that. He essentially had an 80-grade fastball and 80-grade slider in, uh, in AA last year um, because he could also command it too. And then you had a guy like Joe Boyle who made his debut last year as well who just couldn't throw strikes. We had a no hitter in um, the, the, what was it? A seven to five game 
And it was a no hitter for the team that scored seven runs in that league because like nobody could throw a strike. And then there was air balls and all this other stuff. Like it was, it was a, well, what happened was Jackson Churio got scared of the ball. I saw him like completely bail out on a ball that he hit the opposite field for a home run. Like it was just, a, it was one of the more impressive feats I've ever seen. Um, I, I got to see two really great players last year, Caminero and Chorio. I, I I don't always get that. I don't always get those type of, of years. Uh, however, the moment that ball disappeared, he wasn't stepping in the bucket. He wasn't flinching. He wasn't scared of the baseball anymore. And you saw you could literally draw a line in the sand. And I actually write about it. It's um, for people who have bought it i wrote about it in the minor league baseball analyst um about these these experiments that are going on we talked about kyle manzardo and the automated strike zone we talked about how um uh, emmanuel rodriguez in the automated strike zone in the high a or low a and then moving up to high a and how that affected him um a guy like blake dunn how that affected him but we also talked about the tack baseball and how it affected jackson chorio uh, so he made the adjustments. Uh, I think that, uh, and you could see it, even though he was scared of the baseball, he was still, uh, you know, even though he, there was some aggressiveness there, he still realized what guys were doing, trying to trying to get him out and tried to try to fix those things, admitted that sometimes, you know, within the game, those sort of things. I just think that he is like, he's, he's my number two. He's, He's probably my number one fantasy prospect at this point. Okay, wow. Um, my real world pro um, top prospects: Jackson Holiday, obviously. Um, yeah. Go, go Orioles if you're an Orioles fan for that. Um, we don't. Uh, we don't know any. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Jeff. Like I have, I have Choria just slightly above uh, um, well, White Langford, who we'll probably talk about at some point um, okay. today. Uh, but like, I have him a little bit ahead of him, uh, very slightly. I think. Um, uh, I think my, I think in December I was like on Jackson Holiday. I was like he's my number one guy, but it's since he's now number three, and those other two guys for fantasy purposes are one and two. Got a cool question for you. Um, so I'm looking at the stats here, and I know the stats in minor leagues kind of whatever, but I'm just looking at like I mean a 22 home run, 43 stolen base season with a 280 average here for for Jurio. Is there any sort of like comparison to like Acuna type seasons in the foreseeable future for for him maybe Acuna light I guess that would be a, a good I mean I don't know uh, if we're gonna get 40 70 but I mean that's pretty Acuna is the best player I've ever seen and I never thought that I had that conversation with Jackson Chorio uh I, I I saw Acuna on three levels in the minor leagues and he was clearly a different animal um and I would say that again, like I had debates whether Jackson Churio was the number one prospect, a uh, fantasy prospect and stuff. He does a lot of Acuna esque stuff. It, it's like those folks that say Luis Angel Acuna is really, really, really good because he has his brother's swing, you know? Um, but it, he's not his brother. I mean, he, his swing's not as, like, he doesn't have the bat speed, he doesn't have the height, uh, the, the height or the, the size, strength or the, the speed or the athleticism, but like some people will make that comparison. 
I think that this comparison obviously is a lot closer, uh, but also like there's just so many little like like Acuna came back from injury last year and there was another level to him. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know if like, there's just a certain, it's hard to really kind of peg into words or into like a, you know, analytical it factor or, or something like that. You can't really quantify it, um, but you can qualify it by looking at it and being like, okay, this guy right here is definitely a step above everybody else. Um, so to really answer your question, it's Chorio like, if if that makes sense. But it, will it be Chorio like? That I, I don't think so. You mentioned like the tweaking of like you know the the baseball, you know, messing with the rules in the minor leagues. Do you think that hinders the uh, progress of some of these prospects to some degree, or helps them? Which one would you? What side would you lean on? Well, I, I wrote a like a twenty five hundred, maybe three thousand word article on this, um, and I started with the hot news of that it did, and the more I got into it, it really depended on the baseball player. Uh, you know, you see Chorio, he 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 had a challenge, it made him struggle, and then he fixed it. You know, granted the ball went away and stuff, but like that. They're not going to – that baseball – there's going to be more tests on baseball, and there's going to be a pre-tag baseball coming to Major League Baseball someday once they find the right right, um, you know, feel and not really affecting the game like that was affecting the game. I mean, that was affecting the game. Games mm-hmm. were longer. Like, it was, it was definitely an issue. Uh, but, like, that was a concern of mine specifically for the experiment in low A. Um, which is the Florida State League. Um, nine of ten of those stadiums have um, have Hawkeyes, so they're able to do an automated strike zone there. And I thought that there was going to be a bigger discrepancy between uh, guys' um, patience at that level and guys' patience at that next level at high A, whether it's the Midwest League or the South Atlantic League, uh, wherever they went next. And I'll be honest, I didn't really see that correlation. Uh, I, yeah, their, their, um, their, uh, strike per strikeout percentage or walk percentage or their, the uh, percentage they swung at pitches, um, might've increased a little, uh, but it was like normal increase. It was like, if you also looked at the other low A league, the Carolina league, where you go out to the California league, it was like a same sort of difference. I mean, there were some guys, that, yeah, it did affect. Like Emmanuel Rodriguez, um, the Twins prospect, who is like the first three true outcome guy that we've had in a long time. Like he is such a three true outcome guy. Like throw the um, throw the Adam Dunn uh, comp on him just because of that. Like they they don't look alike, they don't act alike, but they that's that's their game. Uh, like. I thought that it was a mirage and I discounted him the previous off season because I thought he was taking advantage of an automated zone because he was, you know, had good, good eye and that sort of thing or good knowledge of the zone. And there was also rumors out there that he uh, was afraid to swing because he would miss like that. Like he was, you know, I mean, his contacts that bad, but like, I thought that it would be a big problem and it wasn't. 
Um, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. None of these experiments have really showed me any data. And I'm privy to inside data, you know, more so than other people. And I just didn't see a difference. All right. No, cool. Uh, it's, yeah, wow, well, that's that, the question. Because I mean, that, I don't, yeah. I don't have that sort of insight into all this right. stuff like you do. So I didn't even know about some of those experiments. That's why I was just curious as what your thoughts were as somebody who sees it and you know hears about it firsthand. So, um, all right. Uh, well, so Chris, what you're saying is that uh, you know uh, he's Jack Cust esque, right? Because uh, yeah, as an I Ace fan, oh, come on, yeah, guys. I guess I didn't know you were an Ace fan. Yeah, I mean, come on, the original Adam Dunn. Thank you. Uh, anyways, sorry. I'm sorry, uh, you're a fan. Thank you. Are um, you headed to Salt Lake City? No. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like they're trying to block it in Las Vegas. They just need to stay in Oakland. All right. Let's. Uh, it's always gonna be the Oakland A's. All right. Stop. I was. I was there. Ga- I was there when they won the 20th game in a row uh, in Oakland. Um, so I saw you in the movie. Yes. You remember the guy was like this with the yeah. with the busy thumbs? That was me. So, uh, <laughs> all right. But back to the, back to the questions. All right. So which uh, prospects uh, made the biggest leaps during the um, Arizona Fall League in your personal rankings? And of course, who made the biggest drops for you? Well, so, um, just for those them, looking at the board here really real quick. None of them leaps for me and none of them really made drops for me. Uh Oh, wow. I don't okay. go into the Arizona Fall League with any expectation. I I, I walked into Mesa's Stadium, um, Sloan Park, and I walk down. I see a really good buddy, a longtime friend uh, who's a scout, um, who's at the game. And I go up to him and I was like, hey, man, how are you doing? And he goes, if you're looking for positive, uh, reassuring comments about the Arizona Fall League this year, you've come to the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> as deadpan as you can possibly right. and I'm wow. like, oh, good to I'll see you why and and all of that stuff and he's like dude the, the the ball like the game is like every year the afl gets a little worse um the pitching's a little worse uh the guys want to be there are a little worse like like it's just the you know the guys that rise to the top want to be there um I, I, you know, on this AFL risers list, I would say that Jacob Marcy was probably one of the most talked about guys uh, among the scouts and among the fantasy baseball community at, at, at First Pitch Arizona, presented by Baseball HQ. Um, and um, <laughs> so, like total that. transparency, I just pulled up because I, yeah, literally know nothing, nothing. about the AFL. Yeah. So I just pulled up like the top five, went to the AFL, like. Hitting leaders and pitching leaders grab the top five, screenshotted it from MLB.com, yeah. and was like, Here we go, here's my slide. <laughs> yeah, so we can take it down. Yeah, like, you look at those pitchers' names, like, none of those guys are anybody we really talked about. I mean, people talked about Zach Maxwell, um, uh, just because he's a big dude, he's a Reds prospect who's like just big and bulky and throws hard and doesn't know where things are going. You can see from that 1.46 whip, it looks like he just doesn't know where the ball is going. He started Georgia Tech. I scouted him as an amateur, I think, for when I, when I helped out Arizona one year. Like, you know, he's a guy I'm fairly familiar with, but like, you know, whatever. Davis Daniel. Davis Daniel might might have been one guy uh, on the mound that really kind of separated himself. Uh, but like, even then, it's it's a four or five starter profile. So like, uh, the the big buzz guy, and I didn't get to see him, was Jackson Job. 
Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of scouts got to see him all in one place, and, and that helped, uh, you know, kind of clear up some some um, some of their scouting reports, that sort of thing. Uh, got to see him uh, operating with uh, with a, a different pitch mix, uh, and like that was that was something that was very uh, you know talking to guys like Eric Longenhagen from uh, Fangraphs and talking to some of the scouts that were there that got to see him at least throw. Uh, like that was that was the one pitcher name that got a lot of buzz. Uh, the hitter was always Jacob Marcy, James Triantos. Uh, was was another guy number one and number two on that list. Uh, you know, to chase the lotter of the Guardians was a guy that was talked about uh, a good bit from people because it's a it's a very unusual swing and you know, it, it reminded me of the way that people talked about Bellinger when he came through the Arizona Fall League. You know, he has an unusual swing. Uh, there's not many guys that that swing the way he does. So, um, you know, those those were some of the interesting guys. Uh, Marcy, I kind of just see as like a, a fourth outfielder, but with the Padres having their uh, financial issues, like this is a guy that, that you know, is going to probably provide a high average. Um, I, I, I think the power is a little bit of a, a farce. Um, I know that his home ballpark, uh, he took advantage of a short porch, short porch in, um, in, the, in the regular season there um, uh, to really kind of, you know, get some of that home run power up there. Um, Triantos is a, is a guy that is has has really kind of calmed down his uh, approach, uh, uh, but still super aggressive. Like he went from uber aggressive to super aggressive, uh, but he's more of a guy that's like a platoon guy or not a platoon guy, a utility guy, and like a guy that um, you know teams like you know I they're not the same type of player, but it's kind of like. Uh, uh, morale uh, with the Cubs, um, right? Okay. Where you know you're gonna plug them different places and stuff, and it, it might not be the most optimal um, kind of production you're gonna get, but he's a guy that that always is seemingly rostered by somebody in your format, and yep. you know, used regularly, and because he kind of just fills fills gaps in, and I feel like Triantos is that like his athleticism is that's that that good uh and also like he he's he's a guy that's not afraid to 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 put his athleticism to play in the field on the bases at the plate so like he's a guy that's that's has a chance to get playing time because of his willingness to to hustle use his athleticism all right so we had some Fun names there, but I have to ask you one with three fun names for me. Uh, so this time next year, who's putting up the best numbers for the Rangers? Evan Carter, Wyatt Lankford, or Sebastian Walcott? Because I see, obviously, Lankford is going number one with a bullet on every uh, you know first-year player draft. Uh, but these three seem like they're very well linked um, and look like they should be all playing the majors at some point this year. So who do you think has the best numbers for the Rangers this year? Um, I saw Dave Eddie's uh, comment there. Uh, miss you, boy. I'll pour one out for you after I'm after I'm out of my wife's office. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> Evan Carter. But anyway, uh, Evan Carter's not the answer. I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you that 
I'm going to tell you why that's the case. Please. Um, Evan Carter, for those people that read my um, my box, the baseball forecaster this year, the award-winning Ron Chandler's uh, baseball forecaster, they actually let me write boxes this year, which is a huge honor. Um, Evan Carter had one extra base hit last year across every level. Wow. Against left-handed hitters, pitchers, left-handed pitchers. Wow. Okay. Uh, there's a serious deficiency there. Um, so, uh, and I, I think it's real, like, you know, looking, looking up stuff, um, you know, looking at his past performance, I think that that's real. Uh, when I scouted him a few years ago, I did not see him against any left-handed um, pitchers. Uh, so uh, that's something to watch. It's something that's going to have to improve for him to be an everyday player, but Good thing is he's on the on the on the right side of the platoon, which is the left side. So uh, he's going to get plenty at bats, especially since the left-handed pitcher seems to be instead extinct in the American League right now. Right. Uh, you know, there, there's a good chance that he'll uh, he'll get those everyday at bats, but like there is a weakness there in his game. Um, Sebastian Walcott, I just. I'm lower on him than a lot of other people. Um, and it's just, again, I'm, I'm more conservative. I, I want to see these guys uh, do stuff uh, in the upper levels uh, or at least high A. I mean, high A is now upper level, to be honest, with how quickly guys move. Uh, he has four games above the complex. Uh, and while he is athletically gifted and there's a lot of things to like, uh, he looked like a... Uh, talking to contacts in the Arizona Complex League. Uh, he wasn't as progressed as maybe some folks in the fantasy community would like him to be or imagined him to be because okay. he did put up some really good numbers in that in that league. So I think if we asked maybe two years, then that's a discussion for him that maybe he has better stats, but we really kind of need to see uh, what kind of maturity happen over the off season and, and also like strength gains and that sort of thing. Uh, but like, he's, he's definitely for me, a top 75 prospect, uh, uh, at this point where I have Wyatt Langford number two, and I have, uh, Evan Carter, uh, just outside my top 10, uh, for fantasy. Um, uh, Langford is, like and I had this talk with an amateur scout that had had UF uh, University of Florida coverage, um, and I asked him what was the thing that stood out the most about him, and he said I believe that there was another gear to be had, and I think we saw that in his pro debut. Uh, competition got a little better, and it seemed like he feasted on that. Like that was that was something that he needed to see in his game. I think that. Uh, and, and that was one of the things that came out of the scouts uh, that worked the area is that they didn't feel like he was ever really uh, intimidated by anything. Now, does he have the upside of a Jackson Chorio? No, no, he doesn't. Like there's that upside's not necessarily there. And a lot depends on, you know, his real world value. A lot depends on whether he can stick in center field. Um, talking to the scouts here in, uh, you know, the Georgia, Florida area, they're, that they don't see him as a center field prospect, but the Rangers did. Yeah. You know, the right. team that drafted him does does kind of see him as a future center fielder. Um, so, but in fantasies, I think that Wyatt Langford in uh, next year at this time will be putting up bigger numbers wow. for the Rangers than Evan Carter. Wow, 
You mean they're all on the Rangers? We don't know, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, of course they could all be uh, traded, but so wow, that's uh, I. I'm glad I asked that question. That's great. Detroit Bestie, uh, our man here, uh, he wants you to rank uh, Chris Bassett, Sonny Gray, Cole Regans. Go. <laughs> uh, Regans, uh, uh, Bassett, and Gray. Is it just because Gray's old now? Yeah. I mean, we're talking dynasty stuff. So, like, that's what I'm, I'm oh, going to go with this, this, year, this year in fantasy, where would you pick him? This year in fantasy, I might even go with, oh, God. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. The hundred percent of the dynasty rankings. I was just wanting to, because just not. I'm just not. Uh, you know, I don't really play five on five. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I know, Joe. Here. I'm a dynasty guy, and and that that sort of thing. Um, right. I'm the guy to go to prospects. Like I'm not the guy for this, but I like Regan's a lot. I really do. Um, he was a guy that um, really hit for me when he was with the Rangers organization, and just didn't seem to really work out for them. Yep. Um, just like every Rangers pro- pitching prospect hasn't really worked out. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, Kumar Rocker got hurt. I can't really right. blame him. But, like, you know, there's other dudes, too. There's several dudes that um, we could name off um, that are escaping my head right now. Um, but, like, they're, you know, he seems like the legit real thing. Yep. And I know that a lot of our, friend, our, our friends out in the fantasy community have really been touting him this offseason as a breakout and i think it i think it's true uh i i would say this year probably gray and then maybe bassett but um i personally like bassett like i just like watching him pitch i'm a huge reagan's fan i thought I, I just it's awesome but now that we're on pitching i love it uh so we went from hitters uh you know with the rangers but let's talk about top pitchers uh right now overall from the in the prospect right we have Paul Skeens, uh, Jake uh, Jackson Job, who we talked about a little bit with the Arizona Fall League, um, Andrew Painter, Kyle Harrison, and Ricky Tiedman. Uh, I might have butchered somebody's name. I apologize. Uh, who makes the opening day roster, and who makes the biggest impact in 2024? Well, I think the only opening day pitcher on this list is probably uh, Kyle Harrison. Okay, I think that there's the, the it's one of those things where there's a potential um, opening. For him, I don't know if there's necessarily opening yet for the other guys. I don't know if they want to. Jackson Job desperately needs innings. I don't know if you start him out in the major leagues to really start that trek. Um, I think most of his his um, most of his innings this year, just like I think Skeens, most of his innings this year are going to come in uh, the major leagues. Uh, Andrew Painter's not going to be ready. Yeah. Um, from all indications. So I don't think right. he needs the open day roster. Um, and then Ricky Tiedman. I mean, if, if there was anybody that kind of got downed at the Arizona Fall League, by mostly the fantasy people, I think, uh, was uh, Tiedemann. Um I don't know if he was completely healthy out there. Um, he was, the, there was a obvious, uh, according to uh, Buddy Chris Welsh, uh, there was obvious, like, drop down of his arm slot um oh really um during it when throwing different pitches and that sort of thing and i i don't uh you know to me that's not necessarily uh as alarm that alarming only because um it's more alarming in the, like when you see something like that it's usually injury related or tired something's tired and right. it, it, he had an injury filled season and then you're also looking at 
uh, being in Arizona in November or October, November, and you, you're done with baseball at that point. Uh, right. A lot of guys are mentally done with baseball at that point. So, like, I don't, I didn't discount him as, as bad as some people probably did. Um, I think the best performer on this list, uh, and it's all determined whether he can get enough innings, and that's Jackson Joe. Um, I think the range, I think the Tigers are finally getting a pitching prospect right. Um, you know, I feel like they lucked out on Tariq uh, uh, Stubel, whatever his name is. Um, Scoobal. Um, I think they lucked out. I mean, they've not had much success um, developing pitching. Um, I think Jackson Job, he keeps on making that next adjustment. Uh, he really worked on pitch mix, uh, getting, getting his arsenal major league ready. Um, and that's kind of what we saw in the Arizona Fall League. He was getting things major league ready. Right. It was a different level of performance compared to, uh, you know, all those other guys that, you know, were trying to get on rosters, you know, 40-man rosters and that sort of thing. Avoid the dreaded World 5 draft, I guess. I don't know. Um, or being, you know, um, not picked up in either that and still being a minor leaguer and getting paid like a minor leaguer. Um, yep. So, yeah, I, I think Job, and I think that Harrison's going to have the most opportunity. Um, so, yep. like, um, my my problem with that is, you know, there's there's some issues with Kyle Harrison, whether he can throw enough strikes. Um, but, I mean, that's every young pitcher. I mean, we saw Grayson uh, Rodriguez struggle last year, and I love Grayson Rodriguez. Sure. Um, you just never really know with the rookie, but it just seems like Job is – is ahead of that. And I think then third place would be schemes. Um, I'd like to see Teeterman healthy. I think that's his Teeterman and um, Painter. That's their goals this year is to be healthy. Okay. All right. What so, about, what yeah. about guys that may not start the season? Um, Chris is gone. Uh, no, literally. I think, just, I think Chris can he, still hear us. He wouldn't feel uh, the dreams on us. Yeah. <laughs> I um, think my band was causing some issues. Um, for that. What about what about guys who may not start the season out, but like you know get caught up midseason a couple months in and make like a huge impact, especially for fantasy. Like anybody that and they don't even have to be on this list. Um, just like one, two quick names that we need to keep an eye on. Man, put me on the spot now, Chris. Do I it now. Like, I don't like that at all. Um, <laughs> like that's, that's like a really, like, if you were to ask me specifically guys that, um, guys that would be like in two years, I think, or I'm even, it, I'm, no, I'm talking oh, yeah, it would be saying. so much easier. Um, I think you, you like got the guys on this list that right, fair and we're gonna t- I don't want to talk about the other guy. That I'm going to be asked about a little later because I All think right. that he could be yeah, in the Joe. consideration for this. Sorry, jeez, well, I thought you know I had a good mean? question. Like, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the guy that's going to be hey, the, the, the other guy should be on the list, but yeah. Uh, just because uh, you know he played a lot last year and and he has AJ's name as well. AJ Smith Schwarber uh, with the Braves would be a name that. Uh, could enter this list, but I don't think the upsides there like those other guys. Obviously, uh, AJ pitched last year and was very effective. 
but it was mostly effective based on his fastball, even though we did see, um, you know, with the with the data, his his breaking pitches get better as the season went on. I didn't necessarily see that with my eye test. So, you know, I still feel like there's there's a ways to go. But the kid, the, I mean, the kid gutted out stuff last year. I mean, uh, you know, if he's healthy, Mason Miller, I mean, that's that's another name like. There's there's obviously a lot of upside with Mason Miller, uh, but what like he can't seem to stay healthy at all. Like that, and that's that's a skill. Like I really believe staying healthy is a skill. And maybe that yeah. maybe Mason Miller is this wipeout closer someday. Um, but right now it doesn't for me it doesn't look like a starter because he doesn't necessarily you know get there. And then there's other names like Hurston uh, uh, Waltrip, another Braves uh, prospect. Um, who hasn't shown the ability both in the SEC and in pro ball to throw strikes enough. And then Jacob Mizorowski, uh, I mean, the stuff is there for these guys. It's just not, you know, so like in two years, I could easily drop a few names on there, but this year it's just so limited. I mean, uh, opening day rosters, Jordan Wicks is probably in a rotation somewhere, but he's not the caliber of, prospect that we're trying to find um um, like that's that's the thing and then there's that that other uh elephant in the room uh you know that that we're going to be talking about in a question or two uh joe you do you have any yeah you can keep it no no i just want to make sure you're happy because i I just care about you joe um so as you should (laughs) Uh, yeah, uh, we did have one question in the chat. I think it's about, and if I'm understanding his question correctly, they wanted to know the um, the prospect that the Dodgers got in the Bush deal. I'm assuming he's talking about Jackson Ferris. Um, any uh, good uh, hearing about uh, Jackson? Um, uh, unless he's talking about Zaire Hope. Or I'm yeah, I, I have a, actually a longer history than most with Jackson Ferris. Uh, working for the organization and I help out, I, I got to see him. Uh, his junior season in high school with IMG Academy. Oh wow! Uh, and and it was a pretty impressive game. Like in that game, Elijah Green was there. James Wood was playing on that team. Uh, Jackson Ferris was on that team. Uh, uh, and he was going against a prospect. I can't think of the kid. Uh, Cooper Kinney, who's a, a raised prospect. Uh, so like it was a pretty good get. There's a lot of scouts there, like 40 scouts there, uh, and I was one of them. Um, but. His issue so far is strike throwing. Um, uh, and when I say strike throwing, some guys, it, you throw strikes, and sometimes it's a quality strike or not a quality strike. Um, so the, there's obviously some command issues, with this, especially with his fastball. Um, I think the breaking ball is pretty good as well. There's um, He's going to an organization that is like, the pitching gurus you know there's a few few organizations that like if a dude like for instance gets drafted by or gets acquired by one of these three organizations you're always like hmm i wonder um, you know like last year i mean i literally went on zach eflin because he got acquired by the rays the rays spent money on him like i was like this guy's gonna have a breakout just based on that because they've seen Uh, the Dodgers obviously um, are one of those teams. The Guardians are one of those teams. But I just feel like they're they're ahead of everybody else in pitching development. And so when a team drafts somebody or acquires somebody, I feel like they they see some things in that player that um, 
that maybe isn't coming, you know, getting out wherever they're at before if they draft them, same thing. I mean, right. uh, you know, some of these guys with the the Rays, um, you know, like came from small colleges that nobody was really on and they were like, sure. I mean, you look Joe Ryan, like, right. Yeah, so much, definitely. Like, it, sure. so to say with Ferris, I think that, his prospects of being a major league player have improved because he's gone to the Dodgers organization. Okay. So I was going to ask you a, a more general question, but honestly, I'm, I'm dying to get to this tweet that you made about Cade Horton, the guy okay. who uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it, but I mean, it's been, I'm sorry. It's yeah, one of my favorite, it's okay. one of my favorite tweets of 2023 uh, where you used a radar gun to um, honestly take one of the fastest pitches ever thrown at 141 miles an hour. So uh, here it is. Yes. 141.9 miles an hour. In case you didn't know this, Cade Horton is the only person ever to throw 140 plus mile an hour pitch <laughs> during a scouting session. So with that kind of arm and that kind of gas, he has to make the opening day roster, right? I mean, catchers are scared to hold, you know, catch that type of, you know, juice. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, it was an obvious misfire. Um, <laughs> it was a very humorous misfire and stuff. And right. It was really annoying as well. Um, there was only one other scout in the crowd that day, and like he wasn't running a radar gun. And so, like, it was so annoying. And um, <laughs> props to some of my friends with the lookouts. I was able to get the actual velocities um, from their, from, 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 uh, some of their data and that sort of thing. So uh, it made my report easy. Uh, the I fixed my radar gun. Um, props again to Jeff Ponce. Jeff Ponce uh, responded, helped me through to get that radar gun back. I've never had that issue. I've had that radar gun for like five years, six years. Um, never had that issue before. But like that was the highest it got. It was also like 124 a lot. Oh, wow. oh my gosh. Like he threw a change up and it uh, <laughs> like he threw like four change ups that night uh, that registered in the hundreds. Like it was ridiculous. Well, I mean, if you throw in 141 with fastball and you go to 120, I mean, that's pretty amazing. So let's, I mean, that kind of, that kind of control is all-star caliber. Now, <laughs> now it was, it was a, it was a good scouting uh, game that I got to see him because he didn't have his best stuff that night. Uh, contrary to the the velocity readings there, uh, <laughs> and he shut out the the opposing team with some decent prospects on it. Blake Dunn was on that team. Oh, wow. um, I'm, I'm trying to think else who else was in that lineup that day, but there was some there was uh, at least some major league talent there, um, the future major league talent in that lineup. Um, and he did not have his best stuff. He he didn't have his command that day that game. Uh, he, he didn't have his breaking pitch. Um, so like he really had to gut things out he was uh opening up a lot um when he was uh especially when guys did get on base his his shoulder was flying open um it just wasn't but he gutted out a performance that like people online were like oh my god what a what a game you know kind of thing and i was like right mm, i watched something where guys struggled through six innings <laughs> and, and and did stuff um i i really liked him coming out of the draft um People were a little trepidatious about him because um, because of the um, sorry. I saw a comment in in this little uh, chat. Um, 
And I, by the way, made that comment already. You know that, Joe, right? Um, Did you? I said there, we hit the elephant joke for Horton. I already said it. Y'all missed it. Yeah, no, Joe. I, I know. And then, but nobody, nobody actually said Horton Be, hears a hoop. Well, anyway. because we're professionals, Joe. We we don't have to spell out the joke. Yeah, and I've been Jeez. muted forever. Well, fix yeah, your computer. Sorry, Chris. You go ahead. You go ahead, sir. Sorry, I saw that. What was all right? So, uh, what was the question? What was I talking about? <laughs> you loved him out of the draft. Yeah, I loved him out of the draft. You, you, but I don't run the show. I just sit here and think of random things to say. Yeah, like AJ. He was a, he was a late riser out of the draft. Like he could, he had an awesome playoffs and college world series uh, performance. Uh, so, like he. He put himself on the map. At the same time, there were folks that were maybe a little lower, like, hey, you know, maybe this was just fool's candy um, or whatever, fool's gold. Um, uh, fool's candy actually sounds like a much cooler thing. Yeah, it's better. Yeah. Um, uh, see, I'm all, you know, Joe makes one joke in the chat, and I'm all, like, you know, messed <laughs> up. Uh, but anyway, like, I uh, – he was – you get very few guys coming out of college with finish and stuff. And they're always usually in the top five of the draft. Um, and this was a guy that should finish and stuff um, in, in the college world series, but even before <laughs> that as well. Oh my God. We're, we're pulling up. <laughs> I love that it did that. <laughs> <laughs> I had and to. there we go <laughs> off the rails. I, I, just, I just killed the show. It, it happens every time. It's Thanks, Horton. Like, <laughs> he was on time tonight, and now yeah. he's been muted the whole time. Exactly. Yeah, that's what fool's candy will get you. <sighs> but anyway, uh, uh, what makes him special is that he commands three pitches. He commands them for strikes in and out of the zone. Um and, you know, you see those stats right there. Like, he had a bad game within that double-A uh, stint and still, like, just dominated. And and talking to people around the Chattanooga Lookouts team, uh, I didn't get to see his playoff start against them, but they said, uh, you know, talking to some of the um, some of the folks around that team, they said it was a complete domination. He picked apart a team that had prospects like Blake Dunn and Edwin Arroyo. Um, and and some some really good you know, organizational guys that that give uh, really strong at bats and, and our competitors and would just just wipe them out. Like um, I think he's in the major league sometime in the May May June area. And that question that Joe asked earlier, this is the guy that, that like he was the guy that came up. Um, and if you would have put these guys all together. Um, in that ninth question, I would have had Kate Horton number one. And just, just so everybody remembers, the ninth question was uh, the names that he's putting. He's putting Kate Horton above Paul Skeens, yep. J- Jackson Job, Painter, for this Harrison. Year. For this year. Yeah, yeah, for this year, right. Uh, not not for Dynasty and uh, Tiedman as well. Uh, so, you know, real quick, uh, on, on the same lines. Andy. With uh, with Horton, right? Uh, what is the Cubs' philosophy when it comes to Triple A? Because I, I know you know you just said exactly my feelings, right? That we've kind of downplayed Triple A and kind of um, you know, especially when it comes to pitching. 
is it one of those where they feel like somebody has to perform there or they just like, look, get them some innings and then get them off to the major leagues. They're there. Get them, get them some innings. And, you know, you don't, you don't send guys up because of stat lines and triple a you're, you're sending guys up to the major leagues because they're showing traits that they're ready to handle uh, the big lights of the major leagues. Um, You know, uh, I would never scout a stat line in AAA. I care. I care about the Statcast data. You know, uh, the data that you know we can mine off of. Uh, you know, baseball savant that sort of thing in the game days and stuff. I care about that stuff, but I don't necessarily care about uh, guys with ERAs. You know, I know ERA is such a, a crappy stat, but people still look at it. Um, like you know, uh, FIP. You know, I I really want to see how they're getting guys out, um, right. what they're doing. I mean, you look at um, a guy like Reese Olson uh, with their Tigers, who's not the same caliber of Kate Horton, but like if you looked at him in AAA just by looking at the stat line, you wouldn't think that he would have had any success in the big leagues. Um, like it's just so hard that the they use. I, I believe they use reject major league baseballs uh, uh, in that league. Um, they've got an automated strike zone and now they've got an automated strike zone that, that um, moves with the person's body, you know, like wow. uh, if you're five, if you're six foot two, but you crouch all the way down, um, you know, your, your strike zone is now incredibly smaller than it was earlier in this experiment because they use wow. the average, like they use the average strike zone for a six foot two guy for so long. And then right. at the end of last year, they gave you your real strike zone. Um, and you, oh, and that man. was one of those experiments where you could see a difference, even though it was a small sample size, you could see a difference in uh, strike zone. Cause then, you know, guys that had crouched stances, like Kyle Manzardo had a crouched stance. Yes. Um, I was about to say, yeah, I told you earlier that he couldn't, you know, struggles against the high fastball. Well, now he didn't have to get up to the high fastball that was being called a strike earlier in the year um, while he was triple A. Like, so like there was a change there and you could see that the statistics um, show that. So I have uh, everybody here at uh, fantasy six pack actually has little shock collars that Joe uses to zap us. If we don't speak about the Orioles uh, enough um, (laughs) on a show Uh, and mine has been going off tremendously and I'm sorry, Chris, but um, so I have to, you know, keep the boss man happy. But, you know, the, the Orioles have so many good, very good to elite prospects and just not enough positions. I don't care how many different ways you play it. We talked about Mayo a little bit earlier. And I know Giorgio, Joey Ortiz got moved. I love Joey's uh, bat uh, for sure. Who do you think might be next? You know, do you think Norby, where does Basayo, uh, is it Basayo or is it Basalo? Uh, okay, Basalo end up playing. Yeah, oh, the two L's are usually a Y sound. So Basayo. that's why I was going Basayo. Yeah, that's why I, was, I thought it was Basayo. Yeah, yeah. It might be Basayo. Oh. Um, I trust you. So whatever you say. Smith. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, if I'm another team, I don't know if I want Norby. Uh, Norby is like one of the most aggressive hitters in the minor leagues. Like, um, I think there was a reason. You know, a lot of a lot of folks in fantasy, uh, you. Yeah, 
I think are going to be disappointed when he makes his major league debut, because I think that he's going to be found out that he is a wild swinger who just hacks and and does that sort of thing. Um, And that's something that you can't really see in the stat line. And, well, you know, us prospect guys don't do as good of a job of highlighting um, the bad sometimes. And I think that's, that's there with somebody like Norby. Um, I think nor I think, I think that the, Orioles benefit from having guys around. What I mean by that is you can't buy depth no matter what. Like, it's hard. Uh, You have to have a season if you're a really good team like the Braves. Like, for instance, the Braves, they need – if everybody's healthy, they're good. But in last year, they were – I mean, they had a historical season, and nobody was ever really hurt. Right. What happens this year if it goes down to the mean? Who's going? Who's going to replace uh, Michael Harris if he gets a hamstring injury, or Austin Riley if he gets hit by a pitch? And, you know something happens, right. or if Matt Olson, you know, stubs his toe in the middle of the night getting out of bed because he had to go to the bathroom. Like he's there's old. not that next guy there. The Orioles organization has a next guy, right? Um, so. I will say that, like, if there was a next guy to be traded, I, I think that um, uh, Colton Kowser might make some sense as the next guy to to get moved. Um, I don't. See, he hits the ball really, really hard. The the there there's some issues whether there's going to be enough contact for the big leagues. There's also issues whether he's going to tap into over the fence power. Uh, and it, the Orioles, like. He looks different than the other players on that list, if that makes sense. He's not the same sort of guy. Um, are you talking about? I'm sorry to just drill there for a second, but are you talking about build or are you talking about like they're what? Type. They're tight. They're tight. Okay. Like I think he like their guys tend to hit the ball hard, and he he checks that. Right. He's a he's a decent, good enough athlete, which checks. Uh-huh. That's not as big of a deal. They they like guys that hit the ball hard. They also like guys that hit the ball out of the ballpark. Launch ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It might okay. not be there compared to like a you know you see a Kobe Mayo or you know Jackson Holiday's a different level. He can have a flatter swing plane. He does a lot more things because he's so athletic. Um, but like uh, um, Heston, like you know that's a power. That's a bopper type type bat. You know, um, so for me, Kowser seems to be the guy that's left off. But he's also a guy that provides depth form. So. You know, it, it, it. They got their pitcher. I mean, I was talking to a scout the other day, and we we're like, "How did they get Burns for what they traded?" Like, you know. I but. thank you. Uh, okay, so just real quick, let's take a quick tangent here. I, what what happened in that trade that I missed? Uh, did they put something in the batting bag with Joey Ortiz? You know, no. to like, you know, was it like a pile of coupons? Like, what what happened there? Like, what, expired. What, they were expired like, coupons for expired mayonnaise. Well, so let, 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 let's say Burns is on it. If Burns is a hundred dollars, how much did they get? How much did the Brewers get money wise back? If, if Burns well, is a hundred dollars, it, it's a lot of it, it's that draft pick. The draft picks everything. Oh. Oh, okay. So what the draft pick allows them to do is it, it's not necessarily where they pick. It's how much money they get allowed it for that draft pick. 
So, you know, they're operating with two, three more million dollars in the draft than they were before. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, and the, the, the Brewers are not necessarily the deepest organization. You look at their prospect list and it dies after like seven or eight guys. Like, uh, so like th- there's an obvious, even though they have two guys that are now looking like, you know, a guy that they just acquired and Chorio who are looking like opening day players, there's just not that quality at that next level. Freilich has, has, has uh, graduated. Um, uh, the blonde headed um, outfielder, what the heck's his name? Can't think of it. Um, uh, looks like Corey Schneider, kind of. Um, I don't know. That might be an old time um, thing. Uh, why, uh, uh, Joey, Joey uh, Weimer. Like, yeah. they're, Weimer, yeah. you know, they graduated a few guys recently. And, um, like, you look at the rest of that organization, they've got a catcher, Jefferson Cuero. And then, you know, a pitcher, people are kind of like, you know, Mizorowski, who, you know, has the stuff, but might not be able to throw the strikes, maybe be a reliever. Um, they've got the Rodriguez kid that seems like a back-end guy. Like, it's crazy. Also, the Brewers like collecting oddities somewhat uh, in their pitching staff. If you look at guys, they're, they're, they're not – I don't see them being afraid that D.L. Hall has never really been a consistent pitcher at any point in his – uh, you know, coming up uh, as a prospect. Um, I think, you know, you see guys like uh, Peralta, for instance. Right. Woodward, I was going to uh, say him. Yeah. Or, or Woodward that, you know, they, they allowed to, and even Burns, they allowed to Just get figured out into the big leagues and maybe a different role and then build them up. Like I'm, I'm still, I'm still high on some of their pitchers that, you know, are kind of post hype at this point. Because they've shown this ability to get get what they need out of them out of the long, you know, a longer reign of time. And I'll tell you, DL Hall's a phenomenal athlete. Um, and that's one of the things that's been really kind of crazy too, is this this kid's a good athlete and has this consistency issue. You don't normally see that out of out of athletes of that stature. So like they could be looking at that as well. Um, but it's obvious that that organization is trying to retool. I want to call it a rebuild what they're going through, but they're obviously trying to retool. Um, and this is the best way to fix that is, is getting that second round. I think the comp pick, I think mm-hmm. it's the 34th overall pick. 34th. Yeah. So it, it, what is it? it? I think it's worth around $3 million. Um, it's two something probably, but it's around $3 million. The draft is all about dollars. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm a property appraiser by day. I, I get amateur scouting so much easier because I put a, I put a number on a house. Okay. I put a, a value in a house, whether it's $450,000, $220,000 or a million dollars. I put I put a value on a house. Um, the draft, you put values on players, what you're willing to spend on guys. Um, so if there's a prospect that's fallen because no other organization is willing to spend $5 million on that guy, and let's say the Brewers are willing to spend $5 million on that guy, and he's one of the top prospects in there, you go ahead and do it. It's like, uh, you know, uh, there's been guys that have fallen out of the first round. Brock Porter is a perfect example. People right, didn't right. want to spend, you know, the money that the, the Rangers spent on him. Um, to draft him. Well, now the Brewers have the opportunity of possibly getting multiple top prospects um, for their organization, as opposed to none. 
You know what I mean? That's right. why it was such a shock when the Guardians got the first overall pick and the Reds got the second overall pick. Um, they were teams that aren't necessarily picking usually one and two. Right. And like that extra money in the draft, you know, it's it's the top tier talent isn't as strong, but it's a fairly deep college hitting draft this year. Um, so like there's there there's a benefit to that, and that's what they took. But even then, it feels light, to be honest with you. It does feel light that they gained like three million in the draft and uh got a pitcher that hasn't ever been consistent and got a got a guy that I mean Ortiz is gonna be a solid middle middle infielder, but I don't know if he's gonna be uh you know a top ten fantasy producer or a top fifteen fantasy producer at a position. I think he's a guy that ends up like, you know, cycling on somebody's bench as a replacement, you know, for an injury type deal. I don't see him right. being in nor in regular formats that dude. Okay. Yeah, well. so speaking of this, uh I know and I'm gonna go with my own homerism here a little bit. Um I know the Phillies were kind of in on Burns and they were excited to try to go after him, but it just sounded like the haul was too much for them to want to give up, so they were out. I mean, I I didn't think, I mean, and, and not knowing that much about the draft pick and the money involved, you know, is my own um, ignorance, but I didn't think that it was a huge haul for Burns. Yeah. Uh, in, in my opinion, but I mean, in, in hearing your explanation about it, maybe maybe it was a little bit more. So it was more even of a deal than you know than was initially assumed. But um, speaking of of pitching, it's uh, the news now is that there's some some talks between Cleveland and Philly potentially about Emmanuel Class A or yeah class a uh the closer and you know they're interested in trying to get back um the outfield prospect from the phillies uh justin crawford who they don't want to give up so what what's your outlook on crawford i know he's still a few years away um but just general thoughts on him um yeah, you know, what what do you what do you know about him? What do you what do you think? Well, he, Justin's a bloodlines guy. He's um, Carl Crawford's son. Yeah. Um, I I was surprised where he got drafted, and you know, I I mean, as the Phillies fan, AJ, you you realize that they really haven't developed any position players. They haven't really developed anybody for a while. I mean, yeah. Scott, Scott they've almost ready, you know. That, yeah, they they've had a very bleak farm system for for a handful of years now. Um, Stott's been very good, you know. I I like his trajectory right now. Yeah, um, Rojas, fantastic defensively, not so much offensively. Um, I don't know if that's going to change. I mean, that he, his name was kind of tossed around <laughs> as well in the deal for uh, Class A. Um, I mean, I can, I could kind of give or take that. I, I think he's a, he's going to just be a guy. Um, well, you, you, you look at the guardians, around. you look at the guardians and, you know, they, they've been, um, sending miles straw out as their everyday center fielder for like two yep. years. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and it's been a, like a negative effect on their offense. Um, so, you, you know, you look at teams, you can f- kind of figure out what they value. Okay. Uh, and like a, Ro- uh, you know, Rojas, Johan Rojas, um, you could say he's a similar defender to Miles Straw in center field. So what you already yeah. paid Miles Straw, you know, money and you're already, you know, like maybe like going, mm, I don't know if I need the defense that bad. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so like uh, Crawford's also a guy that has some, um, those same athleticism and that same chops. The, the difference is, is Crawford's uh, offensive upside is a lot brighter than uh, Johan Rojas at any point yeah. in his development. Um, uh, the, the last year when I wrote up Crawford, he had a negative launch angle, um, average launch angle in the um, Florida State League. I mean, you know how hard that is to have a negative launch angle? Uh, That's incredible. The dude, That's the, incredible. Dude still, the dude still hit the ball super hard. Um, <laughs> And and he's more of the prototypical leadoff guy, if you, if you really want to say it. Um, you look at have the Guardians had success with guys with with launch angles that are, you know. And you look, at, you know, we mentioned Yandy Diaz before. You know, Yandy Diaz. That was the problem with with the Guardians was he could not hit the ball in the air and could not elevate it. And now he's. He's kind of a bopper if you really look at it. Like it, it's all come up with the Rays had the had the potion to get that out of him. So, uh, but you can see the Guardians weren't scared to have a guy with a negative, you know, launch angle, just like they aren't weren't scared of having a negative offensive bat in center field with Miles Straw. Like you know, so those names actually make some sense in a deal like that. Um, it's always hard to quantify what teams, you know, I feel like trades are done because teams value guys differently. Okay. Yeah. So we saw a lot of times where the, the guardians and the Padres made a lot of deals together for, for, you know, you had them involved in Clevenger, you had them involved in some other deals as well. I think they were a part of the Bauer deal. Uh, the three-way Bauer right. deal. Yep, stuff. they were. Right. You wonder if those two organizations value players differently. Um, uh, you know, there might be something. You know, as as we said with the Dodgers acquiring Jackson Ferris earlier, um, they probably saw something that they could work on that you know maybe the Cubs weren't getting out of Ferris, uh, and that, that they were able to get him out of. You know, maybe not at the premium that. Uh, you know, he might be in two years. Um, right. So, like, that that's a lot of times when we're talking about trades. Um, I know the Phillies, Phillies tend to be an organization that don't trade away prospects. Um, the, I don't want to say this um, to be, because Dave Dombrowski has no problem trading away prospects. We all know that. But that fan base that you're a part of, it can be relentless at times. Um, and if you <laughs> trade away somebody, you're going to hear Not about us. it. Uh, and Dabrowski uh, was with the Red Sox. That was a different situation. Even. Like, I don't feel like the Red Sox fans. You don't say. You know, yeah. oh, my God. I mean, they they ruined Jeff 
Bagwell. I mean, they traded Jeff Bagwell, and you didn't, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. So, what are you doing, Joe? He's trying to fix my camera. I was super blurry for a second. I bent down to laugh, and then I came back up, and I was like fuzzy. So, no. Um, Which and that's going to destroy us with the twenty-one to thirty female demographic if uh, his camera's not fixed. Yep, totally. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Like, like the the, so with that trade, um, I don't know if you would trade. Like, I wouldn't trade a top seventy-five prospect for a closer. Um, Yeah, even as good as Classe is, and how young he is, and how I mean, it's a nice deal that he signed last year. I don't know if you do yeah. that. I also don't know. Like, I'm a really big, you know, talking about a rookie who's going to make the major league roster. I'm a really big Orion Keckery fan. Um, and like, that, that was going to be my next question. Your thoughts what, on what, are you, too. what are you? I mean, you can have I a mean, super, super pen, I guess, but like, I feel like you already have a guy that kind of fits that mantra in your organization already. That's yeah, your, your and, and I mean, he was awarded, you know, as one of the top prospects last year because his rise was so, you know, meteoric, like we said earlier. And uh, I just I was skeptical about it, and that kind of came through in the playoffs. I mean, he was he was put into positions where it wasn't really high leverage all the time. So you're you're getting out crazy, you know, crazy outs at the bottom of the order. Okay, great. Like that's what anybody should be doing, you know, uh in, in general with uh, as a veteran, um you should be able to get out all of the lineup. So obviously he's got some room to grow there. Um you know, a lot of the fan base really blames Rob Thompson for Kimbrel, and, and, and rightfully I thought, so. I thought, I thought he meant. I'm going to interrupt you. I thought um, I watched that um, at a what it, I watched part of that series at a floating boat yeah. in uh, the Delaware River outside of Philadelphia, which a bunch of Phillies fans at a wedding. Nice. Um, yeah, it's a restaurant boat thing at Penn's Landing. I, I don't uh-huh. know what it's called, but uh, like, I, I know what you're talking about. It's a big I pirate ship looking boat. Horrible. Yeah. Oh, um, he was management of the pitching staff in the playoffs by by Rob Thompson. It it was, and ultimately it was the undoing. Um, but I I don't think, you know, Kimbrel was burned out, and he should have seen that. Everybody else saw that. Yeah. Um, you know, unborn babies that popped out <laughs> after the World Series ended saw that. Yet Rob Thompson still put him out there confidently. Um, but he also put Kirkering out there before Kimbrell and he gave up some, some big hits that hurt us in, uh, game four. And I believe game five too. Um, and, and that was kind of it. So, you know, they should have came home. They should have been able to win the series, but then the offense went dead. So again, not going to, you know, complain about my woes for that, but, in general, I, I do like Kirkering. I like his upside. Um, I like his potential. I, I just think he needs to see more innings. And, you know, the, the trust is there. But I don't want to say one-trick pony, but, you know, once his, 
his one pitch kind of got figured out, he was just throwing balls. Like he just couldn't hit the strike zone anymore. And, so, and, and, that's, and that's fair. You also yeah. got to understand that he probably has never thrown as much as he threw last year. No, exactly. And, and you know, and again, the rise he went through, um, you know, through the minors to get to the majors at the end of the season was, was, you know, super high. So I don't, I don't fault him as much. Um, I don't necessarily fault Kimbrell as much because his arm was just toast at that point. I just fault Thompson. I mean, he should have been able to, to manage that better. So. Either yeah. Way. I just, I, I hope that Phillies uh, for my family's sake, um, <clears throat> do well this year, I guess, uh, even though I don't root for him. I've never been a Phillies fan. Um, but I do have a, a uncle that's like 100 years, so it turns 100 years old, and like his whole nice. – he, he watches baseball every day. Yeah. And wow. I hope that they, they have a World Series uh, run this year just for him. Yeah. That'd be I, awesome. Well, I, well I there you go. He may have spoiled one of my uncles too, but that's that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> You may have All killed right. one of your uncles. Is that what you I'm just yeah. saying the Phillies may have, you know. Oh, oh, oh I think that this uncle that, killed another that, uncle. Okay, yeah. I, mean, like, I got it. All right. Over the Phillies. His told me that the last thing that he complained about was the Phillies. So, like, you know, could have done something. Like, Makes sense. I'm holding them accountable. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is it for the uh, for the prospect talk. I uh, hope you all got some great information from Chris here. Uh, thanks, Dap, for running the running the show for us, sure. and uh, AJ for muting as he uh, calls up along here. So th- appreciate that. Um, anyway, Chris, we'll be praying for you. Before before we uh, before we let you go, uh, let everybody know where they can find you, uh, what you got going on this uh, off season, and then during the season. Yeah, so uh, you can find me at C underscore blessing on Twitter. Um, Baseball HQ, we just uh, um, came into the 2020s with a brand new website. Um, uh, So that's been a very exciting thing. We have First Pitch Florida coming up, which is in Mm -hmm. uh, first weekend of March. I will be there in Tampa, actually in St. Petersburg, Clearwater area. The Marriott in St. Petersburg, Clearwater, they have labor drafts there. Also, be participating in trout. I'm not participating in those drafts, but I'm also uh, I'm going to be there, um, and I'm also participating in the tout drafts in New York um, in AL only. Um, so, if you're in New York, come come see that in action. I don't know how uh, action packed fantasy baseball draft is, but um, but yeah, I mean there were people watching last year, so I guess that's something to do. Um, <laughs> And um, just look for my articles. Like I've got a lot of uh, good content planned for this year. Um, Baseball HQ, we really feel like our minor league coverage has gotten better and better. We've added some really good people over the last few years that have really taken us to a different level. Um, And so uh, I welcome you guys. Come, Come subscribe. And then my final thing is I have a podcast. It's called The Baseball HQ Eyes Have a Podcast. Uh, I used to co-host it with Brent Hershey, the editor, but I'm a solo host this year. Wow. And we just talk about live looks. That's what we do. So I'll have a, a lot of guests on this year, um, and we'll be talking some of my live looks as well uh, cool. throughout the year. That's awesome. Cool, cool. Awesome. Good stuff, man. 
right, man. Well, uh, yeah. Again, thanks for coming on, and uh, yeah, you know we'll do it again. So we will uh, talk to you soon. Hey, I, I only say no to you guys for <laughs> fantasy leagues. I say yes anytime. I know, I know. You, 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 uh, you dissed just for the fantasy six pack series this year. I see how it is. You did it last year, but yeah, I love you guys. <laughs> wow. well, thank you, Chris. All right, man. All right, well, have a good night, man, and uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. All right, thanks, Chris. Peace. All right, guys. So thumbs out. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of blurred out the rest of his head. It kind of looked like he flicked us off there for a second. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I, um, <laughs> he might have been. It's cool. Um, now, anyway, so uh, yeah, next week we are bringing on Mr. Eric Cross to discuss catchers and first base. So we're jumping into our position uh, rundowns here. And uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, next next Thursday. So that is it for the show, everybody. Uh, I'm Joe Bond, AJ, and Dap. See you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>